Well, I'm Sharon and I have the privilege of being the pastor here at this church. So if you're new here today, I'm just so glad you're here. If you're visiting us today or haven't been for a long time, I am really glad that you have chosen to come and be a part of our community today. Um, More than ever, we all seek community, don't we? And uh, churches and church communities, we're not perfect. We're still people, but... um, I highly value community with you and uh, it's really good to be here. It's been a long time since we've been here. Last week, a number of us were at the Global Leadership Summit, which is a leadership training, a leadership inspiring um, few days of two days of full on listening to awesome speakers and leaders from around the world. And uh, the team that that went to that have come away with with renewed vigour and um, excitement of what is ahead for Refresh. Uh, the week before that, Mark and I were down with that nasty flu. Um, but praise God, here we are. So it's really good to, to have you here today. I, um, I wonder if you might just pause for a minute and just um, look around you, especially behind you. I know some people cringe at this, but um, it's been a while We've got some people here visiting today. Turn around, just say good day. And I want you to ask them or chat about any f- experience you've had uh, with fire, with fire, a fire. So just a moment, say good day. Tell them they look beautiful. Tell them, um, and, and if you've got a little experience, if you don't, that's fine. But make sure there's no one not talking to each other. Just a minute. A story about fire or an experience, okay? Awesome, I can see there's been a few fires around the place. I'm not sure if that's awesome, but all right. It's good to chatter. I really think a church that chats, you know, we build community. Um, <coughs> recently, or earlier this year, Neil and Sarah Redmond, they, they, uh, Neil and Sarah are chaplains at this school here, uh, they hosted a, uh, uh, the, the school teachers and staff out to their place for, for a bonfire and for a, a dinner um, one night through the winter. And I managed to be able to get out there with the boys and I had um, dropped the boys and then I'd gone back to the car um, just because I had left something in the car. And as I turned around, above 
their house. And their house is, is, is a two-story type house, cottage thing. And um, beyond that, on above that, I could see flames. And I'm thinking, now that is a bonfire. Like, it was way up into the sky. It was absolutely massive. And um, I missed that moment when that bonfire was ignited. But the boys, my boys told me about it. You know, Mom, you should have seen that fire. Like, it's the biggest bonfire that they have ever seen. Um, and, of course, you know, when you've got all that sort of, um, you know, uh, we'll just say the twiggy stuff, you know, it just explodes really quick. And, but it does die down quite quickly, doesn't it? But it was a very remarkable bonfire. You know, for three weeks our church has been uh, in a little series called Ignite. Ignite. And um, if you missed the last two messages, um, we're, we're really happy to let you know that you can go online to uh, SoundCloud, um, www.soundcloud forward slash, I think, Refresh Church, and you'll be able to pick up those messages, encourage you to listen to them. Uh, we had a message on prayer, and we've had a message on the Word of God. And um, today, we, we're going to wrap up that series on Ignite. Um, I have a friend. Uh, her name is Felicity. Mark and I have a friend. Her name is Felicity. And Felicity has the very gift of persistence. And um, she also has the gift of inviting. And... Um, there was a time where this guy at her work was, um, uh, um, yeah, you know, he was there. He 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 wasn't attending church, and he, um, yeah, well, things weren't going a hundred percent at that time. And she would uh, invite him along to various things, um, and it just tended to be no or not today or whatever, and. Um, that didn't um, disturb her because she has that gift of persistence and she just would uh, naturally here and there continue to invite. And this one particular Friday, she invited him to uh, come and hang out with uh, her and some friends and um, for whatever reason, this guy said yes and he came along. Um, and what was interesting is after that, um, he got invited to church the next day and he came and then he got invited. There was a whole bunch of us sort of, you know, much younger people at the time and, uh, we did lots of social things together and we were having a picnic the next week. He said, why don't you come to a picnic? And he said, yes. And then over time, this is a very weird thing, but... Uh, our friends were into some kind of dance called Siroc. Does anyone know that? It was kind of a, it's kind of a Latin dance, and it, there was a bit of a wave of it going through Sydney at the time. I cannot dance for peanuts. I'd like to think I can, but for whatever reason, he even got invited to Siroc, and he said yes. Um, he <laughs> then there was camping and um, uh, small group, and the answer eventually was yes. You know, about 12 months later then, that guy invited me to marry him and I said yes. Um, you know, 
there is a lot of power in invitation. There's a lot of power in invitation. In fact, when I was reflecting on, um, on Mark and the story, in fact, October 27, 2000, so just this week, 2000, was that very Friday night, Mark said yes to Felicity's invitation. So there you go. It's an anniversary week. <laughs> um, the first time I met Mark, but it was because of an invitation of somebody, um, and he said yes. And uh, I'd just like to acknowledge that uh, some of our message, a lot of our message today has been inspired by um, a, a sermon that our, our uh, leadership team, we thought, would be a really good message to share at Refresh. Um, and it has been spoken before by a pastor, Clay Scroggins. You know, Refresh has a vision. And if I, I don't want you to tell me out loud, don't want to embarrass anybody, but I wonder if you know what our vision is. If I was to say, what is the vision of Refresh? You could quickly grab that piece of paper. It's on there. <laughs> but um, the, the vision of Refresh is very simple, is to grow, very simple to remember, to grow followers of Jesus. And um, Andy Stanley says this line, um, and I really love it. I've, I've used it many times, you know, Jesus makes me better at life. Jesus, I'll, I'll say, I better get it right, hey. Yeah, Jesus makes life better and makes me better at life. You know, when we really think about it, why do I have Jesus in my life? Um, I listened to another really interesting uh, sermon this week about that too. It was, it was another slant. But in reality, Jesus makes life better. Not perfect, but makes life better and makes me better at life. And, and you know what? Hopefully, we can all sit here, um, and if you've never been here before, it's possibly a question you'll ask yourself. I mean, why have Jesus in my life? It's a question that we confront and, and, and think about and work through um, because there's a reason we're here, and it's a really good reason to know why. Refresh's mission is to lead people in that growing relationship with Jesus by being an irresistible community to the unchurched, our church really does want to focus and tries to focus on being a space and a place where people who may not have walked into a church community before feel very welcome and at home and drawn to this space. And we all have to remember that we are the church, you and I. And we also seek to create environments where, the per where every person is encouraged and equipped to pursue intimacy with God and others. Now, think of that word intimacy. What do you think of? What do you think of when you think of intimacy? Well, I think of closeness, a proximity, a closeness. But not only just a physical proximity, but a, a proximity of, of relationship, of, of, of emotion. I also think of, um, when I think of the word um, intimacy, I think of uh, shared You've got shared experiences. You've got that, that space where you, you come together and um, spend time. There's, there's that kind of thing. And, you know, we want to have that with God, but we also want to have it with other people. We want to have that proximity and that closeness. And not only with people who might come into this space, but the people in our circle of influence, the people at North Pine, the families at North Pine. That is our mission. You know, um, 
you think about um, going back to growing as a church, you think, what does it mean to grow? And as we said, the last few weeks here at church, we've talked about the Word of God and prayer. And, you know, those things are critical to growing in our faith in Jesus, delving into what does the Bible say? I hear a lot of things, but really, what does it say? And what does God have in that for me? And prayer, that communication, that chitter-chatter with God um, is so powerful. But there's one more step, and that step is applying our faith. And, and nothing works better, like... Um, <coughs> Mark um, bought some really funky weights at the start of the year. I, I don't even know if I can describe them well, but you, you click a thing and they click out and you can kind of go, I want it on three, four, five kilograms for Sharon. And you can go, and it sort of gets it and you pick it up and there it is, voila. And, you know, Mark wants it on 10, 15 or whatever, 20, 50, what do you guys use? <laughs> Um, but you know what? Those weights are absolutely no good at the moment because they sit there a lot. They're not actually used as much as they should be. And so as much as we might have that weight, without that exercise, without that actual application and using of them, they aren't reaching their potential. Now, I'm not reaching my potential. And, you know, if I, as a church here and as a leader of the church here, I really just want to share a few things with you that I think, you know, will help us grow and helps us grow. And one of those is, for us, we really value serving. And when we serve on a team here at church, that is a way that will help you grow. It's a really strange thing, service, I find. It does take energy. It does. And it takes commitment. And it takes time. But there's there's usually, there's usually a kind of, something that comes back when I think about those leaders who are out there with the kids giving some time to them investing in them um, there's something inherently deep down in the leaders I'm sure that comes back that actually they sort of receive something back from that giving Um, even the guys and the teams that come in here early in the morning they set up these chairs they set up the table there's something inside that sort of goes there's this warm, fuzzy feeling knowing I'm actually doing something to help someone else. I, I, I'm making this space a great space for people to worship and feel comfortable and, and to connect. Um, so serve on a team. The other is connect in a group. And it's something we've talked about many times here at Refresh. And, and part of the reason that document we've passed around today, you know, we value connection in a group. That is a really great way. You know, church, we, we've, we've, we in our society, when you say the word church, a lot of people think a space where people gather together at a particular time, don't they? Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Saturday night. But church actually happens through the week. When we meet in homes and we gather together, that is what the model of church was way back at the start when church actually started after Jesus When we give, give helps to grow our faith. You know, our finances, when we give, our faith comes really alive. Our faith even will get tested, but it also grows. Um, You know, giving, uh, our heart is very attached to, to money. It's the society we live in. 
you know, keeping our hands on our wallet type of thing. But when we have a plan to give and, and, and give, um, giving grows our faith. And the one I want to just focus and hone in on a little bit today is inviting. And, um, you know, inviting someone to come to join church or small group or an environment where people are gathering as, as Christians and as believers, that can be for some of us a really natural thing. For Felicity, my friend, it is a really natural thing. For others of us, we just avoid it completely. And for some of us, we try, but we just feel it's a bit icky, like it's just like this is awkward. And you know what, today I just want to talk through a little bit about, about how we can invite and, um, and how that um, is part of us growing, part of the vision of our church. You know, Jesus um, invited. He invited corporately, but he also on various times he invited specifically. And today we want to pick up a story where Jesus specifically invited and see what we can take away from that as we engage in this story. And the story is found in John chapter 4. And John um, was a follower of Jesus. Um, when Jesus was here on earth, he was one of what we call the 12 disciples. And he wrote uh, a, a part of the Bible called the Gospel of John, as well as a few other parts of the Bible. And the story we're going to take up is in John chapter 4. And in this story here, Jesus has been with his disciples and he separates from them. And um, if we pick it up, and the, some of the verses will come up on the screen. Um, it's, it's from, um, we're going to take snippets of the story. So we're going to just pick it up at verse 5 on the screen. So here, Jesus um, is passing through an area called Samaria, and he's near a town called Sychar. Um, and we'll go to the next slide. And he comes to a well. And uh, he is tired. I love it when we really realize the emotions of Jesus. He is tired. Ever felt tired? Always feel tired? <laughs> Your new identity? I always say our identity is, how are you? I'm tired and busy. <laughs> Jesus relates. Isn't that cool? Jesus relates. He was tired. When you're tired, you can sit back and go, Jesus knows what this feels like. And he sees the well and he sits down and goes, I can take a rest. I need a rest. A quiet spot. I just need, need a break. That's also a good thing to know, isn't it? Every now and again, Jesus needed a break. But he wasn't there that long at the well when the Bible says, soon a woman, a Samaritan woman came. Soon a Samaritan woman came. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes you're in that mood. You could be in the shops. Shops is a good spot. Might even be here at school or at work where you see someone and you go, you know what? I really don't want them to see me. Now, I don't know if you ever do that, but, you know, you're kind of in the trolley in the aisle and you see that person and you go, yeah, I just, I'm just not in the, I'm not in the space. So you kind of go, whoop. Anyone confess? A few honest people here. 
You know, Jesus could have been like that. He could have gone, oh, I feel like talking. You know, sitting in the bus, you know, like. Um, but not today. This woman comes and um, she's coming in the middle of the day to draw water at the well. And some of you, many of you might be familiar with this story. Why would anyone come in the middle of the day to draw water? Why would they come when nobody else is around or expect no one else to be around? And it is fairly well as you go along in the story to realise why this woman came when she came. She really didn't want to see anyone to see her coming to the well. And Jesus, in verse 7 there, which is up on the screen, Jesus says, please, give me a drink. Now, right then and there, with those very few words, please give me a drink, those very few five words, Jesus cuts through two really big things, cultural norms, two really big cultural norms of the day. First of all, he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. And, and these guys did not get along. And second, he was a man and she was a woman. And the culture of the day, that interchange was, you could almost say, taboo. You know, Jesus was actually, wanted her to know that he was genuinely interested in her. And Jesus... Uh, wanted her, wanted to be able to tell her what he really believed about her. Um, in verse 9, she replies, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans, and she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink. And at this moment, this is a little moment where maybe Jesus goes, here's my moment. Here's my moment. Here's my moment to invite. And he says these words to her, which we find in verse 10 and verse 13. And they're at a well. So why not use a word that relates to water and a beautiful metaphor that he does use? He is at a well. They are at a well, so it makes sense. And he says to the lady, if you only knew the gift of God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And then he goes on to say, this water, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. And the next verse, I don't know, did I ask you to put the next verse up, Clay, or not? Oh, no, that's not it. Um, this, and, and go, I've missed a verse there, but he says, this water will never run out. This water will never run out. The water that I offer you will never run out. He is giving her an invitation of something called living water. He's inviting her 
to accept something called living water. And you know what? It kind of makes sense. You know, sometimes or often, many of us today, we crave for and we actually look for some appetites that are going to, um, to satisfy us. You know, it can be relationships and power and money and title and stuff and more stuff and, you know, what's in the garage and all of these kind of things, substances that we seek to actually satisfy, but in fact they leave us wanting. And, and, you know, think about it and ask yourself, you know, what what about me? What am I I looking at to really satisfy myself? What am I looking at to really satisfy the gaps in my life? or to make me feel what I think I should feel. And it seems like this woman, she was looking for a relationship. She was looking to relationships. She was looking to, uh, to relationships to validate her worth and who she was as a person and to satisfy those cravings and appetites. And you know what? Jesus says, hey, lovely lady, try my living water. Try my living water. You know, this invitation says a lot about what Jesus thought of her. This invitation says a lot. You know, she probably was sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't know my past. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know me. And if you did, you probably wouldn't be offering me what you're offering me. But you know what? Jesus did know her. In verse 16 to 18, in the same chapter, the story continues. Oh, there's that verse 16. (laughs) Jesus says to her, hey, go get your husband. And we'll keep going. And she replies, I don't have a husband. And Jesus replies, you're right. You don't have a husband, but you've had five husbands. And the man you're actually with now is not your husband. In fact, Jesus says, what you're saying is quite true. And he says, inferring, you know what? I knew all of this all along and I still extended you that invitation. You know, our pasts, our regrets however we feel, our worthlessness, our mistakes, it has no bearing at all on whether I'll extend that invitation to you, God says, to her and to us. In the culture of the time, when it came to divorce, a woman had absolutely no power. And um, so it's possible for, for this woman that as one relationship went to the next, they, they would just kind of go, you know what, I'm done with you now, I've had enough of you, see you later, next. And and this poor lady, over time, it's possible she felt like a commodity, like just next, 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 move on. And um, of course with that, uh, her own self-worth would have been shaped, not in a healthy way. But Jesus says to her, through this invitation, you know, there is nothing that you can do that is going to affect your worth to me. I know who you are, Jesus says. 
and I'm extending this invitation to you. As you know, invitations can change everything. Look at Mark and I. Who knows where we would have been? It was an invitation. They say a habit is linked to cues. Now, think about your habits. I'm sure you've got lots of good ones. You may have a few not so good ones. Um, You shouldn't share this in church. I thought, that's gross, Sharon. But anyway, um, I come from a family of nail biters. Anyone else want to share that? Anyone else kind of have that challenge? Just me. Thanks, Simon. It made me feel better. (laughs) But I know if I am stressed, that's a massive cue that's going to spark my habit. Although I've actually got a lot better at it. Every now and again I think, is there anything I've conquered in my life? Praise God. I've conquered chewing my nails. I'm actually pretty good at not doing it anymore. But my sister, for as long as I've known, she's worn false fingernails because just, yeah, the habit is it's tough. Um, but yes, yeah, so, um, you know, there's a cue. Maybe when you're stressed, you don't eat, you don't, you know, chew fingernails, but maybe you sit down with a whole packet of Tim Tams and go, you know, or I don't know, you might sit on the couch and just stare at the TV for the next two or three hours. I'm not sure, but, you know, our habits usually are sparked by some kind of cue that actually results in that behaviour. And if we want to change the habit, then we've got to be attentive to what's the cue that sparks me to do this. Um, So if I want to become a person who's, God, I really do want to be more of an inviting type of person, not in an icky way, but in a natural way. What is the cues that I could look for to actually make that part of who I am? Because we know inviting people can change everything. So I want to share with you three cues. And... um, Clay calls them the three knots. So I'm going to call them the three knots because the three knots, when I first heard that, I'm like, oh, that's a bit weird. What does that mean? Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this when you're invited. That's kind of what I thought. But it's actually not that. It's the other side. So I thought, yeah, that'll, that's catchy. That'll help me. So I'm going to share it with you. And the first one is when to invite someone is when things are not going well for them. So interestingly enough, when Mark um, and his colleague Felicity, when Felicity was asking Mark to come to church and come to Friday night group, at that time in Mark's life, things weren't going so well. Uh, Mark was going through a a rough patch and um, things weren't going so well. And Felicity knew that. Um, And so it was an opportunity for her to invite him. And, you know, for us, sometimes, you know, you hear somebody and they say, you know what, things aren't going so well at work for me right now. Um, you know, I've got a colleague issue thing, or business is not doing so well or I'm struggling with, um, with what I need to do and they're on to me. Or, or you, you might, your friend might be beside you saying, you know, things aren't going f- so well for me right now because um, my child is really sick we're really struggling to find a solution 
um, or things aren't going so well for me right now because uh, I'm about to finish school and everyone's got pressure on me and I I really don't know what I want to do. Someone's trying to tell me to do this and someone says do that and that and it's just not going so well for me right now. They're an opportunity for us to sometimes stand up and, and, and it's a cue to go, you know what, why don't you come to church with me? We come to church, um, you know, uh, it was really helpful to me to be a part of that community and, and have people around you and encouraging you and supporting you and listening to you. And um, yeah, well, uh, why don't you come to church with me? I'll, I'll sit with you. Let's sit together. And uh, when things aren't going so well, it's a cue that we can actually naturally invite. The second knot is when someone is not prepared for something. Now, <coughs> probably, I think in my life, well, there's a number of things I've not been prepared for. I wasn't prepared for marriage. Um, I remember the week after we got back from our honeymoon, uh, I was lying in bed and I cried. And I said to Mark, oh my goodness, I just got married. <laughs> and it's forever. <laughs> and, oh, Oh, I was not prepared. I could be independent and traveling the world and do my own thing, don't think about anybody else kind of thing. I'm like, (gasps) that's just all changed. Um, The other not, um, of course, some of you will relate, is having children. Like, who is prepared to bring home a baby after day four or two or three in the hospital and they've been in the nursery and then you have a baby and you go, (gasps) what do we do with them now? Like... It's crying and crying some more and crying more and crying more and crying more. I'm not prepared. There are so many things um, we can be not prepared for. Going to uh, university or retiring or uh, separation in the home. You know, when we are not prepared, you know, we think, we say, um, you know, this is a great opportunity again for you to say, we c- why don't you come to church with me? It's a great space where you have community and people around you and um, support you, support your family. Um, and the third one, which is, you could say, is, oh, that's really basic, Sharon, but um, is when someone is not at church. They're not someone, they're not going to church. And um, uh, many years ago, when I, I, I the first story that came to me was this one. When I, I lived in London, I um, I lived with people who who weren't churchgoers at the time, and um, the, what I was used to was, you know, and in London we used to, I used to go to a church in central London where there was a lot of people who'd come from overseas, so. Um, they weren't Brits. They were from all over the world. And we would, we would often, after church, go late to parks and all over the place. And sometimes we'd go back to people's houses. And so we'd go back to the house and then you'd muck around together and we'd play games and laugh. And my flatmates sometimes would come home after whatever they did Saturday morning. There'd be like this crowd of people in their house laughing and eating and playing silly games and having a good time. And they'd be like, where'd all those people come from? Well, what are you all doing, you know? And they kind of slink through the room. And, hu- and you know, after a few times, they're like, how come you guys, all, you know, all these people and you have so much fun and community, well, what's going on, you know? And um, my flatmates, you know, there was a period of time um, when, you know, they were sort of asked questions. I said, well, um, I think they're not at church. 
you'd like to come to church. Um, just this week, I was talking to Neil. Uh, as I said before, he's one of our chaplains here and worships here at Refresh. And uh, he recently visited a family that we've been praying for that are at our school here, the Bardwell family, who are going through a really challenging time where dad has got motor neurons disease and declining. And, and Neil um, shared with me a little bit about his visit and, and how challenging it is for them. And, and then got into a conversation about their faith and uh, how the family, you know, used to go to church. Um, I actually quite can't remember if it was when they lived in South Africa, but they really haven't engaged here at all. And and um, and Neil said, "Well, hey, you know, um, you know, no pressure at all. But you know, if if you want to reconnect with the church, you know, you're very welcome. We'd love you to come to refresh. There's an opportunity. They're not at church, and it's a simple engagement to say, hey, you know, here's an invitation. You're welcome to come to church." In many ways, it's simply that, isn't it? It's just responding to the cues. And that's what Jesus did. And and going back to the Samaritan woman and her story, it didn't end there. There's a couple more things that happen in the story. And in verse uh, 28, after Jesus had had said to her, hey, you know, all this stuff about her husband, she, she got such a surprise that she left her pot... And, and went off back to the village. And I don't know about you, but have you ever sort of, you know, you're, you're trying to sort it somewhere else and you actually totally forget what you bought or what you were meant to get? Now, I, I do that, you know, you sort of head somewhere and go, what was I doing again? What was I thinking? Anyway, so she, totally different train of thought, leaves her pot behind and heads off to the village. Have we got that verse, Clayton? Verse 28. And, um, and she shares, and next verse then, 29, with the people in her village who she didn't really actually probably have the greatest relationship with. Remember, she went to the well in the middle of the day. She didn't really want to be with people. But she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She's inviting these people to come to see Jesus. And the next verse skipping a few, and many Samaritans from the village, actually, we'll pause on that before we get to that one. Very interestingly enough, those Samaritans, they're like, okay, we'll go. I bet that was a shock to her. They accepted her invitation. And they... They go to Jesus, they listen, and they say, hey, can you stay, stay, stay a few more days, don't go, don't go. And then we'll pick up that verse, Clayton. After that conversation, that time with Jesus, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said he told me everything I ever did. And then, next verse, more than that, they also said, now we believe after they had spent more time with Jesus, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves and now we know that indeed he is the saviour of the world. The woman went to the well. She felt she had no purpose. She felt worthless. It was midday. She got away from the crowds. She was tired of hearing all the voices. And she, but she got to participate with God in seeing people's lives changed. And, you know, that's how the Christian, that's how the Christian church works. The woman, she didn't know God. She met Jesus. 
Jesus gave her an invitation. She accepted that invitation. And we could stretch her a little. Maybe she started serving on a team and connecting in a group and giving of her finances. And then she invited a friend. She invited a friend. Now, I know I'm stretching it a bit, but we know she invited. And that cycle has gone on and on for years. The new Christians in Acts, they served. They got together in groups. They gave, they gave, they gave, and they invited. And on and on that, that cycle has gone. And so now for you and I, we're actually benef- benefactors of, of that whole thing. We're benefactors of that Samaritan woman. We're benefactors of her because she told, um, she invited, she found Jesus who changed her life and she invited others to see for themselves. And then they met Jesus and then it all happened again over and over again. If you really think about it and you think back, I am sure many of you can go, actually, I'm part of a faith community or I'm still part of a faith community or I'm back in being part of a faith community because of an invitation. Because of an invitation. It seems like when Easter finished, Christmas decorations ended up in the shops. Do you feel like that? (laughs) Not quite, but nearly... We are coming into a great season for invitation, aren't we? Christmas. It's a great opportunity to invite someone to your home, invite someone to a Christmas program. In middle of December, just over here, there's a whole program called Road to Bethlehem. Invite someone to Road to Bethlehem. Say, I'll come with you. There are Christmas services. There are small groups. It's Christmas lunch even. It's a great opportunity to invite. Jesus modelled invitation. And we see play out in that story the power of invitation. So today, as as, as you and I head out, and I tell you so much, this message is for me as much as it is for you. It's a real challenge because I just know there is so much power in invitation. And sometimes it feels natural to me. Sometimes it's very icky and awkward. And other times I avoid it. But I really, really ask God to move me and, and to stretch me and to help me grow in this space. But I want you to know as you walk away from here and remind yourself there is so much power in invitation because invitation can change everything and something I'd like you to do is you said we've been talking about ignite if you and I if we want to ignite our faith we want to ignite it for the first time or reignite it or stoke it up some more to another notch then I encourage you and I in the next little while in the next week in the next week listen for some of those cues when you're having conversation with someone. Maybe life is not going so well for them. Well, maybe they are not prepared for something or maybe they are simply not at church. Listen to those cues and then genuinely and authentically invite. 
And the exciting thing is, is that lives will be changed because of your and mine in, my invitation. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you that you are an inviting God. In the Bible, there are many times you say, come, come follow, come rest, come drink, come be with. And uh, God, you reach out your extended invitation. And um, God, yeah, we live in a hectic world. Um, but as we saw in our survey, God, that, um, you know, a face-to-face invitation is powerful, is desired, and certainly can change everything. God, just speak into our lives this week that, um, that spirit of, of inviting and, um, and, and the excitement that can come with that to ignite our faith, just going, wow, I, I, I wonder where that will lead, God. I, you know, how exciting it is to be in, in part of a, a journey of somebody who, who comes to know you. I pray a blessing over our church community here at Refresh. I pray, God, you continue to lead us as a church um, community. I pray for people in this space whose faith, um, you know, they might be thinking, why am I here? Um, Where is Jesus in my life? I I just really pray, God, that um, as a community we can can draw near and, God, that they can just um, continue to grow and and explore um, who you are. Uh, I pray a blessing over our North Pine um, students and staff and families, past and present, and our local community across the road at Dacobin, Lord, all part of who we, we as a church really look forward, God, to ministering to in, in a more effective and, and, and in a relevant way so that, God, we um, can grow um, and, and see more people come to know you as their Lord and Saviour. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.